Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're going to be reading chapters one and two of Order and the... Of the Phoenix, order and the, oh, the and the Phoenix. Uh, so grab a glass and um, join us on this reminiscent journey. It's a new season, Woo, a new season, and we haven't sung in an M yet, yet. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Um, I am so embarrassed about how we start each season after Jess roasted us. <gasps> if you guys haven't listened to our two-year anniversary, uh, right at the end of it, one of our patrons sent in voice notes impersonating the beginnings of each of our seasons, and um, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally just like, like I would never have gone back and like listened to how we start each one. It's always the same way. It's always really awkward. Um, <laughs> it's really nice starting a new season after a little bit of a so you guys haven't had a break but we haven't recorded in like six weeks and it's yeah. nice having that gap between books actually it is but it now feels very very weird because so we originally put in this recording session to just record the fourth film yes and then it got announced that England is going international lockdown on Thursday. Today is Sunday. So then we had to turn this recording session, which was supposed to, we were just like, we'll do it on a Sunday it's be because very it's chill. chill. We're just going to we'll, watch a film. With some snacks and then just record one episode. It's, like, it's more like we're hanging out rather than working. And now we're like, we will record three episodes and watch a film. This will take approximately seven hours. Get here at midday. We've just taken a shot. It's, it's one. midday. <laughs> it's literally 1pm and we just did a shot. But also we were like, oh, we're going to had to do a shot or we're going to be completely sober like we really really don't want to and then I was like oh Neil can you pick out what we can shot and then he just poured himself a shot we're, we're like, like no one is forcing Neil, you to do you're this. not part of this <laughs> stop dragging yourself into this um yeah so anyway. just to address any covid things so we're going to be pre-recording as much as we can and then we'll go back to recording separately like we did before yep. recording today uh London obviously is in two, tier two you might have heard as the podcast is a business. We can legally still record during tier two, but basically as of Thursday, we will no longer be recording together. So for the next few episodes you hear, they are pre-recorded. Yes. And although tier two, like we record together because we're a business, we are also aware that if either me or Neil get COVID or Charlie gets COVID, both us will have to isolate. Like yeah. We're taking every precaution we can. But then, yeah, you will, a little bit after this, you'll hear some separated recordings again, just so we're sticking to every new updated governmental advice. Order of the Phoenix. Charlie, tell me your first memories about Order of the Phoenix. Oh, shit, I forgot that we have to do this. <laughs> I made separate notes on it. Sorry, oh, I should have reminded you. But you've got such a good memory. And then I'm always just like, <laughs> I? I, I can't remember. Like, okay, I literally I'll can't go. remember. I'll go. They all blend into one. So this was the first Harry Potter book I read at the time of release. Uh, it was published in 2003. This was what they call, like, what, like, the fan fiction people at the time called, like, the, the, the three-year summer. It was a three-year gap in between Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix, the biggest gap that existed. So this is where I turned the age to start reading them as they came out and this was where me and my mum had a fight about who would read it first and she won this one i remember the news when the book cover for this got announced because it was the first book cover without harry featured and that made the news because there was speculation that people would be like maybe it's not from harry's perspective <laughs> like it would change that last minute wow 
I also remember I was in year five and a teacher, the book had just come out. So this uh, one of this teacher was trying to like make the lesson really relatable. So he was like, okay, I want you to write a letter from Dudley's perspective about how he felt about the Dementor attack. That was our homework in year five. I don't know how your memory is this good. Wait, so you said 2003. Three, this book was published, yeah, summer of 2003. Three okay. years after Goblet of Fire. So this was... You would have been in year five. Yeah, so this was around the time when I got diagnosed with dyslexia. Ah. It was either year five or beginning of year six. Okay. I can't remember. So at this point, I still would have been listening to everything on audiobook, Mm. but this would have been around the time when I got diagnosed and then went, right, okay, I'm going to start reading through. Yeah. I remember the long summer. Yeah. I remember waiting for fucking... Ever. Ages. Which probably like contributed to my thought process of by the time the last one comes out, yeah. I want to, because it was such a big thing about it coming out. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically, that's all that's I remember, a really. No, that's a memory. But that's not even memory. That's me just being like, I can work this out. I can work this out. <laughs> right. So on to the alcohol we are going to drink in today's episode. Today's alcohol is a patron alcohol from Jacqueline. She has suggested Fireball Whiskey, which neither of us have ever tried. No, but Neil's a big fan. Yeah. So I was going to put this in to the podcast anyway when Harry has Fire Whiskey in book seven. So I'm excited that a patron suggested it as well. Mm-hmm. It smells like Christmas. It does. But also the weird thing about buying this, because I spent ages like staring at the whiskey aisle, like, I can't see it. And then I was like, oh, I'll check, see if they've got like a mini. Yeah. And then it was just like with the win, what? With the winnies. With the winnies. <laughs> with the minis, like not with the whiskeys. Uh, and you, you told me reasons why. Yeah, because essentially it's called a whiskey, but according to EU law... It, or and UK law, it's not a whiskey. It's um, some it's a spirit or a liqueur blended with whiskey, and we don't count that because we're quite strict in this country. I just so it was with like I think it was with because it was with the minis. It was with like the the joke alcohols. You know when you yeah. get the like it's not a you know it's not a real alcohol. This isn't AKA real. Anything that Americans drink and they're like, oh my god, I just like necked a load of WKD. KD. I'm so oh, badass. When they do the Smirnoff ice, I'm like, woo. Oh, you I drunk iced lemonade. my girlfriend. <laughs> iced your okay, girlfriend. Okay, that's literally twelve year olds drink that. That's juice. Um, <laughs> Try hard. No, I'm yeah. drinking. Don't. But like, I just seriously question that. Like, who at the EU is like, you know what? We need to spend a load of time on making sure that Fireball is not sold with whiskey. These are the things that matter. Like, I never thought I would take Brexit side but you know we'll continue to take this side though because we are more serious about whiskey than our eu counterparts anyway yeah true that and you know like scotland exactly so let's yeah but also why why did this used to be banned hannah oh this alcohol used to be banned in the eu because it used to contain dry did i say dry freeze what did i say what did you why can't you remember this Hannah? it was like dry freeze it's some sort of like spray that's used to like make things like i don't know what it is but you used to contain that doesn't anymore antifreeze antifreeze that's the thing that you spray on your car windows in winter shall we add some back in for the authentic yeah now before you drink it i would just like to read you this Mm. description what you have here is a smooth liqueur with whiskey and a fiery kick of red hot cinnamon it tastes like heaven burns like hell what happens next is up to you Cheers. Uh, <laughs> it's well nice. It's very Christmassy. Very festive. I like it. I mean, it doesn't burn. I feel very. 
literally read online like it burns this doesn't burn maybe the ice is taking away the kick well it's said to serve it with ice so i like it a lot very festive i I do like it it is very festive i see why in this country it's more of like a jokey drink like i read online that like frat boy underage frat boys drink this and i'm like really that's such an american thing americans i'm sorry you can't drink canadian but like the whole like frat boy yeah like but anyway thank you jack i don't know whether jacqueline recommended this for the harry potter fire whiskey thing or because it's your favorite drink and we're just shitting all over it i'm not shitting on it it tastes nice it does taste nice so thank you jacqueline we also have some shout outs to do so these are new patrons that have joined us over on team patreon so a gigantic thank you to rhiannon a sizable thank you to jacqueline a massive thank you to alex a car-sized thank you to Cherie. A supersonic thank you to not-so-headless Nick. A raucous <laughs> thank you to Rachel. A My Cat Misu-sized thank you to <laughs> Celia A. Christensen. If I said that wrong, please message me and I will give you a correction. That is the biggest thank you yet. Because my cat is bigger than anything else on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. It's got its own orbit. <laughs> we all orbit around me, Sue. A kilowatt size thank you to Kristen. Thank you all so much for joining the Patreon. They now have access to bonus episodes, to our Discord, to our personal friends list. No, what's it called? Close friends list on Instagram. <laughs> personal. Sound very corny. Personal close friends. You post personal, intimate things there. So thank you all for joining the Patreon. And lastly, we have our favourite review of this week to read out. Charlie, would you like to do the honours? Sure. A few months ago, my sister recommended you to me. And now I've gone through all the episodes and have to wait two weeks in between. Soz. We're both huge HP fans. I'm in Slytherin and she's a Gryffindor. Big relate. Love it. And your interactions remind me of us two. Aww. Your episodes are a welcome break from studying and a calming force in the madness that is the US right now. Aww, that's and that from... was from Jizbzd. That wasn't a typo. I checked twice. Haha, <laughs> 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 I know past Hannah said one more thing. The editing Hannah is here to add one more thing onto this already obscenely long intro. Um, this was pre-recorded, but I would just like to take this moment to let you know we have finally released merch. And if you haven't checked it out yet and you would like to buy something from us, we have everything ranging from a lower price end of stickers all the way up to hoodies. We've also done it on Redbubble, so you can choose what design you want on what item. So, if your favourite joke is the Norfolk joke, we have made a Norfolk and Chance design for you. You can have it on a sticker, you can have it on a mug, you can have it on a t-shirt, you can have it on a fridge magnet. If you want to show your support for Team Hannah, Team Charlie or Team Neil, you can do that. Yes, we are counting up who gets the most sales on that one. And we have many, many other Goblet of Wine themed designs and even a Goblet of Wine themed face mask for your corona safety. So the link will be in the description of this episode to check out our merch. We would really appreciate it. No pressure if not, but it's there if you would like to check it out. Chapter one, Dudley Demented. I'm so excited for Order of the Phoenix. I know. We had to do our... I'm so excited. Although also I'm not because... Harry's a whiny bitch. Genuinely, I was just going to say like the angst is unreal. Like just... Yep. But we'll discuss that. So it is has been the hottest day of the summer and Harry is lying in a flower bed underneath the lounge window. Dudley is out, and I quote, vandalising play parks, smoking on street corners and throwing stones. And have you ever heard anything more peak British teen behaviour in the early noughties? Yep. I also... 
We've discussed the kind of weird like class signaling around yes um, the Dursleys before, and I think that both like this and the fact that Vernon and Petunia find it really like odd and disturbing that Harry wants to listen to the, the news. news. It's like these two things again are the kind of thing where it's like like they're supposed to be this like snooty middle class family like he works as a like managing director of some drill company like that kind of thing but then like a lot of the things that they kind of like do and say mm. are very like stereotyped as like working class things and i'm not saying that like the working class don't listen to the news and do go around vandalizing things that's not what we're saying trust me like i went to like a middle class school but- where some people were absolute nightmares yeah but it's just like the weird kind of like, I don't know, they're just like stereotyped, not middle class, whilst being described as being middle class, basically. I think they're like, I think it's because they are the kind, they're meant to be coded as like the first, and why they have so much pride is they're one of these first generation working to middle families. Mm. And that's why the Dursleys have a lot of pride. But I also think, I don't think it's wrong to for Dudley to be coded as smoking on street corners and things like that, because I think it's more of like, a rebellious thing because he is a bit pretentious and he does go to a private all boys school but then he spends his summer beating up children and smoking on street corners like i grew up in quite a like nice middle class village in england but i and this like used to like gratify me as a child because this description of dudley were the teenagers i was terrified of in my village like i used yeah. to have to walk past the bus stop to walk to school and they would throw their cigarette butts at me but these are the kids who lived in like a nice like middle class village who came from like nice well-to-do parents oh yeah like i think it's like this is i hate to say this but this is in the time before phones and the internet and all teenagers did have to do was throw stones at cars yeah no big same like in my village there weren't a huge amount of teenagers but like pretty much like all of the teenagers like aside from me and my sister like ended up like in not good ways like a lot of them have like drug addictions and other problems like that because there was nothing else to do in our village it was a lot like growing up like in the 90s yeah there's nothing but, to do. <laughs> and, like, for obviously, when we were very, very young, we were growing up in the 90s. But, I mean, our teenage years were in the noughties, noughties. but it felt like the 90s because you were isolated from everything. Yeah. And, like, even as teenagers, we had the internet, but not very well. And it wasn't, like... At that point, it wasn't cool to spend time on the internet. That was for the nerdy people. The cool kids still hung out yeah. and threw stones at people. But also, but yeah. this book is set in 1996, so or 95 so this is very realistic of teenagers at the time but i also just find it so weird how like she can make the muggle world actually seem like very gritty and realistic like everything she's describing i'm like yep 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 but then like it's such a a difference to the magical world she's describing it's really odd to read these first few chapters and then like she goes into detail about the kids that dudley has been beating up and the language that is used is so reminiscent of actual teen behavior in that time i mean it's a big talent to be able to describe the magical world and then do this like gritty realism yeah and but then yeah his parents not realizing being that stupid to think he's around for tea at everyone's friend's house and don't know he's out there like beating children up yeah i definitely like 
some of her descriptions as well, like off kind of like the village where mm-hmm. Harry is, I just find so beautiful and so relatable. Like my teenage years were literally just walking around the countryside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stornaway and Laura Marling and one other band, I can't remember which, were honestly just my teenage years. I used to just put in my wired headphones. You say wired, like my... I don't still use wired headphones, leave me alone. Yeah, you're poor. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Into my like iPod, like oh, you know the little like sticky iPod. ones. The first one I had was the the I had the first gen Nano. I think I can't remember what it was called. I had the little tiny square one. Oh, that's the um the shuffle because you couldn't yes. choose what song was going to come up. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, used to you know put on like Storn Away on my like actually maybe that was later on but you know on my some kind of iPod it might have been the touch by then and angstily walk around the village yep. all summer. This was in my purposely walking into private property era. Um, everyone everyone listening's favourite era of Charlie. <laughs> I am chaotic. You sometimes. are chaotic. Yeah, and so like this description of that's exactly what Harry is doing, particularly yeah. like hot summer evenings. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, big I, relate. And like the descriptions are just so beautifully accurate. They're but- so vivid. Like I can... I think in this chapter she goes into a little bit too much detail about the names of the roads. I'm like, if you say Wisteria Walk again, I'm going to throw the book. But it is so incredibly vivid. And I think that was her intention, was to really suck the readers into this real world vividness before throwing you into the magic. And it works. I am like, I can see Harry and myself in this moment. Also, Dudley's a dick. (laughs) So Harry is listening to the Muggle News to try to work out what is going on in the Wizarding World. I just don't get why they find that weird. Like... Well, it's it is... weird because he doesn't like to spend. He doesn't spend time with his family. So if he just like sat down in the lounge, like, hey, but they just. But also, like Harry's like trying to. After he gets rumbled in a little bit, he's like trying to think of like another way to listen to the news. And I'm like, radio, newspaper. Well, yeah, he says he's go, stealing newspapers out the bins. Go stand in a shop that's playing the news. Like a radio is a good chat. I suppose he doesn't have any of his own money. You would think no, by this point Harry would be would've... like a kitchen radio, surely. Yeah, but also you would think by this point that Harry would have been smart enough to take his wizarding money, of which he has a lot of, yeah. convert some of it to muggle money ready for the holidays so that he could buy his own things. And surely Gringotts has like a postal money conversion service. Yes, yes surely. it absolutely must do. So I don't know why he doesn't convert some money to muggle money and then buy himself a radio, some new clothes and probably some food. Yeah. It's really weird to me that he keeps relying... Like, I know his aunt and uncle should be paying for things for him because they're, they're his guardians, but it's but really weird to me very that, rich. that he's loaded but doesn't convert his some of his money to muggle money for things he wants. I mean, I think we know that Harry is not... Not the smartest. That, not that smart. It's like the fact... Sorry, no, I was just going to skip ahead. I need to stop skipping ahead. Stop skipping. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Harry's desperate for any news and he hasn't heard anything. The news finishes up with a great story about a budgerigar or something. Yeah, a budgerigar. That was, was it skiing? Water skiing. Water skiing. I'm happy for him. I see it. Um, And Harry hears a loud crack. Harry jumps up and pulls out his wand. And then Vernon... I knew you'd make the thing over this. to choke. I I said strangle, not choke. I chose not to use the word choke. But also, we will get to the fact that this is only the first instance of more than one of choking in this chapter. But, ah, the the Vernon notes I have. Uh, But 
Why are you choking your someone who is your legal? That's your child. You yeah. are in charge of and this also, child. Also, like they're so worried about the neighbors. Yeah, a bit. And then they're just him choking him out a window. It's like, oh no! In case they see a stick in his hand, let me choke him. Like, yeah, they might have something to say about that. Maybe they'll call NSPCC. What's the, the stick in the hand or the choking? Yeah. And it actually says, I'm not sure if it's this bit or later, but the oh, it is now that a neighbor's frowning at. Them. Yeah, maybe because you're choking your nephew. Exactly. And in their brains, he's clearly thinking, this is Harry's fault. It's like, no, you're choking him. But it's just like, we've had like bits of abuse before. Like, yeah. we have. But this is the most like full this on. Is... And it's just taken as normal. Harry's like, get off me. I'm like, you're being abused. This is awful. So bad. The abuse in this chapter and not just towards Harry. Yeah. Not just towards Harry. Not just towards Harry. So. Vernon is absolutely convinced the noise was magic and Harry is also convinced the noise was magic but obviously not him. The Dursleys question Harry about why he's listening to the news but Harry just kind of sasses them and walks off. Oh, it's brilliant. They're like, we know you're up to something. We're not stupid. And he's like, you could afford me. Bye. I love Harry. I saw, I can't remember where it was the other day. It was probably on Twitter. Someone saying that like, what was wrong with Daniel Radcliffe's like uh, portrayal of Harry was that he wasn't nearly sassy enough. Daniel Radcliffe was pretty damn sassy. But not sassy enough. No. he went hard on the angst, not hard enough on the, the sass. sass. And I find that queer, quite weird because Daniel Radcliffe is a very sassy person. Exactly. I don't think they let... I think the films yeah. wanted to be really dark, and but they wouldn't let Harry have these, like... They made Harry more angsty. Like, I know Harry's mm. an angsty guy, but he's also fucking funny. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like it wasn't Daniel Radcliffe because he is, like, just a sass monster. Sass, um, sass queen. <laughs> yeah. So I do feel like it was, like, a directorial thing where they took out some of the sass. They're like, we just want you to be a sad, sad Just orphan. Be emo. Sad. Ugh. We learn that Harry has been getting the magical newspaper every day, but he only reads the headlines. He has deduced from Ron and Hermione's letters that they are together, which I can understand why he's super angry, because if I found out that two of my best friends were hanging out and I wasn't invited, I would be mad. Yeah, definitely. Especially because my FOMO like is time crippling me and me hang out, and then you're just like... I wasn't invited. Yeah, you can't hang out and not invite me. Yes, I am, we can. I am, we hang out and not invite you. I am the middle filling. That what? made it sound weird. I am um, the glue. <laughs> I am I am amazing. My FOMO is so bad I can't cope, please. <laughs> My FOMO is crippling at this point. That, but there was at least one time when me and Neil both told you separately we were going to the same thing but didn't say together and you didn't put it together. I don't mind when you do things together that I don't want to go to. Like The Shining. (laughs) (laughs) You should have come. There was great knitwear. But I don't like scary films. Anyway, I can understand Harry's anger. Harry is extremely bitter and trying not to dwell on the graveyard. It keeps coming back to him. There's a tiny mention that Harry has been dreaming of long corridors with locked doors, which is a very early hint of what's to come later in the book. And interesting that like Voldemort is actually already trying to manipulate Harry. No, mm. at this point he doesn't realise. Yeah, no, at this point he doesn't know that Harry When is... does he realise? Oh, when he sees the Mr. Weasley thing. Yeah. Yeah, got it. So he doesn't... So Voldemort is thinking about the long corridors with the locked doors and Harry is just seeing it in the night. Got it. Dudley has got into boxing, which like... J.K. Rowling tries to spin this as a bad thing and it is a bad thing that Dudley's using his boxing skills and aggression on like other teenage kids. But she tries to 
do it as like a bad thing. That Dudley, who is quite an aggressive, overweight, not that interested kid, has got into a sport. When actually, like, if you look at the people that they tried to get into boxing in a lot of different societies, boxing is a really incredible thing, especially in UK society, that often you put kids into who do have a lot of aggression to really help them work through it. And it's actually really amazing. So I don't like this kind of whole thing of being like, boxing's bad. It's like, no, boxing's good. Boxing is good. Yeah, and I think it says a lot like, like we will talk about Vernon's abuse, like <laughs> of his son, <laughs> of everyone around him, of his wife, but of I just, his like, son. Because I I feel bad for Dudley in these chapters, mm. um, which I'll talk more about later. And like obviously he shouldn't be beating out twelve year olds, but also like he is abused yeah. in a different way to Harry, yep. but by the same people. And you think if he is doing boxing and he still has this much like it's either like pent up aggression or it's like peer pressure from his peers. Like, Piers, you're the just peer, like, his friend is called Piers. Yeah. Um, you know, like what's going on with Dudley and we never find out and we, we know that later on like Dudley kind of turns things around a little bit. Yeah. But I just feel bad for him and really Harry doesn't him. help the situation. No, I understand why Harry is a complete dick because he deservedly has so much anger towards his cousin. But also, like, Harry started that fight. It was so unnecessary I for think, Harry to... Yeah, Dudley I, would have left him alone. Yeah, I think... I think Harry was in the wrong in these I chapters. think Harry was in the wrong. He knows he has there's a power imbalance. Even though Dudley could hurt him, Harry knows he is, has all the power. And what he did to Dudley was cruel. But yeah, we'll get and to just, it when he does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harry wishes that the boys would come and start a fight with him. So Harry is clearly not well. Like, It's not just hints. This chapter is like, look at this mentally unwell child. He literally wishes that the boys, Dudley's friends, would come along and beat him up. Yeah. That's essentially thoughts of self-harm. Yeah, that, and I think he wants to also beat them up, even though he knows that he can't do magic. He still, he wants to, like... Yeah, he wants an excuse to be forced to, but also he almost knows he wouldn't, but still wants to be beat up by them. It's just kind of like, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Honey! Dudley and his gang kind of separate so harry hails dudley after the gang have left harry mentions that dudley has been beating up a literal 10 year old which is horrific dudley's gang are going around beating up children <laughs> to be fair sometimes like when i'm in sainsbury's and they're like kids Screaming. are running around being really annoying yeah relate but not a whole gang <laughs> teenagers no i would single-handedly take on the 10 year old i would <laughs> not get you and neil to back me up so they continue to bicker and Harry is goading his cousin. He's goading him badly. So Dudley hits back that Harry isn't so brave at night. I heard you. Cedric, Cedric, someone save Cedric. And, um, okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, First of all, um, somebody help Harry! His PTSD is so bad, he is being woken every night by himself screaming about Cedric. Meanwhile, and Dumbledore's he's... just like, leave him there, leave him there, he'll and be not fine. Okay, let no don't one tell him, him anything. Don't send a therapist; he'll be fine. Yep. Yeah, Dumbledore also abusive. Yeah, like in I, this under- book. I know at the end we get an explanation of why Dumbledore did all this. It's not okay. It's not, it's it's good, not good enough. To me, the explanation never even makes sense. No, like, no, it's yeah. he has so bad PTSD. Yeah, and it's just like. 
people. But also, and like, I get that Harry's going through stuff, but he's just so unnecessarily mean to Dudley. I get why he is. I do get why he's going through some stuff. It's not okay. Well, then Dudley shows a lovely bit of, you know, 90s, noughties homophobia by saying, Who's Cedric? Your Your boyfriend. boyfriend. (laughs) It's very off the time. It's so, that's the thing. I was like, I would find it shocking if it just wasn't everything that was screened on the school playground ever, every day. Yeah. I literally remember, like, actually being in a lesson where they got a, a just a random gay man to come into the school who actually had to explain to the class why being like, you're gay, gay as an insult is a bad thing. But like the most shocking That's thing... That's good that they got someone in our school, didn't Yeah, but like the shocking thing was that students were actually like, oh, oh yeah. My cousin, she won't listen to this, one of them, still says it to this day. Why? And I literally pulled her aside the other week and I was like, I learned this when I was seven. If you say you're gay is an insult, you're implying that gay is something bad. She's like, no, I don't mean it like that. I've got loads of gay friends. And I was like, do you hear yourself? Like, she's, she's like, it really not that bad. I'm I like, just, it really is. Stop. It just always seemed obvious to me that that's like not a good thing to say. Yeah. How do some people have to have it explained? I don't know. I remember my mum did sit me and my brother down and explain it to us, which it was because my brother said it but he was so young at the yeah, time yeah, yeah. He, he was like five and he was copying something you'd heard yeah. on the street there's an age where you don't comprehend what words mean yeah so she but said like both when down they with... got someone into the school we were in high school what i thought you meant in primary no, in, school in high school that is terrifying yeah but it was like the peak british insult in the noughties was being like <laughs> gay yeah just that to everything yeah just that was a cutting insight. It was like either you're gay or your mum. Mum or your mum's gay. Mm, Sometimes yeah. you combine it all. Um, witty. Children are witty. Yeah. There's also a mention that Vernon has threatened to lock Harry in the shed if he comes home after Dudley. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's, I mean, he hasn't done it. But it's just, he's so like, everything is so extreme. You know, it's just like there are other punishments. One, you shouldn't be punishing for that anyway. But like, if you're going to have like a curfew, make it an actual curfew. curfew. And if the curfew is broken, have a punishment. That's not locking someone in the shed because that is abusive. And it's just always like in the text. I don't think, I, I get that you don't have to be really like blatant about everything in like literature. Like I hate when books over explain thing that that's what, you know, American directors do in films. Yes. You know, you you do have to trust your audience. But I think when you have a series of kids books you need to be more explicit in saying this abuse is not okay you can't just like litter in like subtle (laughs) hints that harry is being abused in a child's book and never have that abuse condemned i think the real problem with this is is these started out as kids books and the dursley's abuse was cartoonish the dursley's were cartoonish in the first three books it was kind of like all the big bad people and then these books took a turn towards gritty realism but what happens when you take those cartoonish things and put them in gritty realism is you leave this horrifying thing where someone is being abused to the point where the police should be called yeah and it's not addressed like obviously it's addressed in the way like harry's like I hate my parents, but they're like, have fun going back next summer. Like, no, he should be taken out yeah. of their care. And I feel like things like being like, oh, I'm going to lock you in the shed is almost done as like a punchline. It's kind you of know? like, it's it's kind like, of like, like, would he do it? But then it's like, yeah, no, he would. He wants to put bars on Harry's yeah. window. Because like, I feel like it's done to be like a comedically extreme because, punishment. Because I can imagine my parents like joking, like, don't do that again. We'll lock you in the shed. It's not like they act like, but it's like, 
ha ha ha. No, exactly. he's not doing it like that. So, he's actually like, I'll yeah. lock you in the shed. So, like, I just basically, my point is, I don't think to certain audiences reading this, mm. it the abuse i definitely think like i've you know i've read and listened to these books so many times and whilst i'm like yeah they're like not great people i don't think i've ever comprehended the abuse as much as i do now having like a proper reading of this yeah which like if it's taken me until 25 and many many rereadings and then to actually have to like critically sit and and analyzing the text a child is clearly not gonna get it no maybe i've just been dim but you know I think yeah I think that's one of the problems with these books taking a turn towards adulthood whilst retaining some of the things that are in the first books it leaves this kind of weird thing yeah so Harry then threatens Dudley um and Dudley funnily enough is like fuck off get out my face Mm. I understand Dudley why he's like get away from me Harry is literally like don't ever talk again with a wand, which Dudley knows does kill people. Dudley is aware of that. And also, and Dudley was abused had, by Hagrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, let's not pretend what Hagrid did was funny. It wasn't. It <laughs> definitely was not. And like, then also, last year, his tongue got supersized by a load of wizards. So Dudley has been abused by wizards and is then, like, funnily enough, yeah, he punches Harry in the head. Yeah. Fair enough, really. I literally wrote fair enough. <laughs> Honestly, like, but also, like, Harry just has, like, the chronically worst timing. The fact that he gets out his one. <gasps> the moment the Dementors come that make it look like he's done it. Yeah, no, it is bad timing all so, around. Yeah, so Dudley yeets his fist into Harry's face. <laughs> fair enough. Harry falls down, loses his wand, manages to scramble about, does a bit of, like, Kind wandless of wandless magic. magic. No, he does wandless magic. Like, it's in the vicinity. But yeah, he casts Lumo, uh, Lumos. Lumos. Finds his wand. There's multiple different Dementors. One of them's attacking Harry. One of them's attacking Dudley. Harry tries to fight them off. He's really, really struggling. The Dementor chokes him. <laughs> In the second, there's a lot of choking. choking. In this, I literally put like so much strangulation in this chapter. Harry's neck, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not good. The Dementor is beginning to strangle him, and Harry is really, really struggling to think of anything happy enough. His Patronuses aren't working, and then his last thought before he passes out is, "I'll never see Ron and Hermione again." And in that moment, their faces burst into the forefront of his mind, giving him the ability to cast a Patronus. It's very cute. Chills. I was like, (laughs) it's very cute. They chase away both Dementors, and of all people, Mrs. Fig enters. The best character character ever. And she literally, the chapter ends with her going, Don't put your wand away. Dun, dun, dun. What? Books are turned on their heads. She calls him an idiot boy. He is an idiot boy. He is an idiot boy. And that's how the chapter ends. Queen. I loves her. I loves her. Chapter two, a peck of owls. Mrs. Tibbles was on the case. Uh, her cats literally find things for her. I love Mrs. Fig more than life. I know. And I love Mrs. Tibbles. Because... I love Miss. Isn't it Mr. Tibbles? I thought it was Mrs. Tibbles. Okay. Let's just say it's... T- Tibbles. It's Tibbles, the non-binary cat. I got fed a thing on TikTok the other day about a non-binary dog. Have you seen the dog that's communicating with the things no um so someone's bought or made i don't know this thing and it's got like buttons with like different words and their dog is learning to talk to them so like the dog can press the buttons and it is actually communicating that's incredible 
it's, it's terrifying. I'm scared enough of dogs already without them, like, <laughs> talking as well. We learn that Mrs. Fig is a squib. Harry calls her a batty old cat-obsessed neighbour, which is all I hope to be in life. Oh, yeah, like, this is my future life. Yeah. I can say I'm a lot of characters in Harry Potter. I can say I'm Luna. I can say I'm Ginny. I can say I'm Hermione. I can say I'm Tonks. But at the end of the day, I'm Mrs. Mrs. Fig. Fig. <laughs> This is my merch. At the end of the day, I'm Mrs. Fig. Yes. Round two of merch. Yep, it's coming. coming. Uh, (laughs) No, I I want to be Mrs. Fig. I don't know why Harry makes fun of her. Harry, you dick. It's actually goals. And also, like, you know what I feel like she's like? I feel like she was once upon a time Dumbledore's beard. I thought you were going to say mistress. I was like, how the fuck? No, I was trying to remember the like non-horrendous phrasing of that. Beard. I feel like she and Dumbledore were like best friends. Yeah. Like, I see it. And then like became kind of adult best friends, but like drifted apart more as he was being like super successful. I mean, the problem with that is that Dumbledore is 150 and I don't think Mrs. Fig is that old. You can have friends of different ages. Oh, okay. You made it sound like they were friends when they were children. Fair enough. They might have been. A bit of an inappropriate. <laughs> He's gay, though. There's no grooming going on. Um, yeah, so they knew each other. Like, they were friends. Maybe, yeah, maybe she just grew up around him. Like, she was also, like, you know, in what... Where where does Dumbledore live? In the castle. His whole life. It, does he not have, like, a summer home in Cornwall? In uh, I can picture him having a, like, summer home in, like, Bristol. Or Bath. I can picture him, like, in the summer holidays, just dressing in muggled clothes, but muggled clothes like those mad old men that you see walking around with long beards who just kind of smile at you in the street and you're like, they're going to kill me. You know, those mm. men. But actually, it's Dumbledore. Or he spends his entire summer just on cruises. Yep. Don't see that too. Just I in sunny Hawaiian t-shirt. Yeah. Sometimes Mrs. Fig comes along. No, but also, realistically, Dumbledore is one of the only people in the wizarding world who are stuck up for squibs. And Mrs. Fig is quite old, so clearly was a squib in a time where, I mean, it's not accepted now, but it would have been even less accepted then. Please remember that Dumbledore gave Filch a job. As much as we hate Filch... And his sister was a squib. Uh, yeah, ex- well, exactly. So, yeah, I fully buy that they were best friends. He, like, took her Wait, under his, his sister wing. wasn't a squib. Everyone thought she well, was a squib. Same difference. Yeah. Yeah, he he took her under his wing and then, like, you know, however many years ago, like 14, 15 years ago, whenever I've lost track of how old Harry is in this book. 15? 15. Then when he needed someone, he was like, you know who's perfect. And he got, you know, he was like, I've got a huge favour to ask. It's really brutal. You're going to have to move to Surrey. I'm sorry. But you can have more cats. I'll buy more you more. Cats. He just literally was just like, I will buy you all the cats you need. Well, it's said afterwards because there's this line about Mr. Tibble, like, solving things. Mr. Tibble and her cats are not cats. They're half measles the same as Crookshanks. Love it. I Literally love it. <laughs> full head cannon accepted. Yeah, so I'm then here for it. Mundungus appears. Rand- yeah. Random side note about Mundungus. My dad <laughs> has this mate, Mick, who is just like a grumpy cat as a person, basically. Yeah, Bless him. I like, see it. He's my dad's like man. You know when people are like, oh, I've got a guy for that. Mick is my dad's guy for that. Yeah. Like, if he needs, like... Like, when I was in hospital, like, Mick was on standby to come get me if my parents weren't free. If yeah. it was, like, 2am or something, like... Well, I've I've told you... So, everyone says Madungus is Del Boy. 
But I've told you about my uncle who's Del Boy. So in my head, Mundungus is my uncle. Have I told you about my uncle, the one who... So when my parents had their wedding party in our garden, I was 14 at the time, my parents, whatever. They had like caterers doing the food and then the caterers at the end of the night said they wanted paying in cash. And my dad was like, it's like a, a gra Like, I don't have that in cash. And my dad was like, we live in a v- village. There's no cash machines. And then he was just like, no, wait. Oh, it's fine. Because my uncle was there. So I went up to him and he was like, uh, Gavin, I need 800 quid in cash. And that, Gavin was like, yeah, yeah, got it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad was like... And I was like, Gavin, why do you have that? And he was like, well, on the way here, well, I always carry cash in case there's a deal, Hannah, but I took more this time because travelling all the way from Essex to here, there would bound to be a good deal. And there was. On the way here, I picked up a load of wood. It's in the van. Do you want to see it? And I was like, no. <laughs> Brilliant. But, yeah. Same. Same. Everyone, hey, knows Mundungus, this, but everyone knows one of these men. Yeah, <laughs> Mundungus to me is Mick. Mick isn't like cockney or anything but he's and he's not like a wheeler dealer he's like a very sad man but who is just always always there like and my dad literally like employs him basically just to do things anything like he was one of the ones like when my nan and granddad were like really kind of at the end of days that Mick would just drive them around and take them places and help look after. Like he literally, like he does sound, sound for one of my dad's companies. The he Mick does, and Mick is Mundungus to me. Yeah, see, That's, see, Mundungus is my uncle Gavin to me. Yep. Also, but everyone knows someone <laughs> yeah, who is like this. Exactly. If you don't, tweet us, that person. Tell <laughs> us who is your Mundungus. Hashtag who is your Mundungus. Yep. So Mundungus appears out of nowhere in the middle of the street, which, you know, muggles, but whatever. Mrs. Fig says this is exactly what Dumbledore was worried about, like Harry doing magic. This was what they were trying to prevent happen, which is kind of like, okay, none of that gets explained. Then Mundungus leaves again to go tell um, Dumbledore what's no, happened. you missed the key part. What? The part oh, where, where she hits Mrs. Him over the Fig head. begins to beat him around the head with, with a her bag cat full of cat food. Again... <laughs> Queen. <laughs> With, I li- no, it said her string bag. I'm like, Charlie has string bags. I literally have turtle bags. You don't wear carpet slippers out of the house and I wish you did. Do you want me to start? Yes. Okay. They get home. Mrs. Fig leaves. Dudley vomits all over the doormat. And um, the, Petunia says the classic line, did Mrs. Polkis give you something foreign for dinner? <gasps> oh. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> oh, also, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Uh, back to Mrs. Fig. She says that she thought Harry was intelligent. She's, they told me you were intelligent, I just love boy. that it's just like Harry, like, being really sassy and moody for, like, a chapter. And then Mrs. Fig comes along and just blows his sassiness out the water. She's like, you want to be sassy? I'm going to show you how to you be sassy. You me, bitch. Dumbledore put me here to look after you for 14 fucking years. And you've always been rude to me about my cats. Yes. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, Miss, did Mrs. Polkis give you something foreign, foreign for tea? And this makes me really sad <laughs> because I love an Indian. I love a Chinese. Could you imagine? I thought you were just going to assume that Mrs. Polkis, it was an Indian. We don't know what it was. No, no, no. But like, like I love Thai food. Yeah. Like, are you saying but- that the Dursleys don't get a single Indian takeaway? This must be what that means. But they're also the kind of people who would say Indian isn't foreign, it's British. I mean, to be fair, Indian in in, in the way that we normally we, we have, have it is, is British. It was made for but the British it's taste. Not, it's not even, I mean, 
it is now, but it's not even. It's um a lot of like Indian food that we have isn't Indian. I can't remember. It's not where it's even from, Indian. But it's it's like somewhere else in like it South might Asia, be Pakistan. Yeah, or I can't remember, but it's like more similar to yeah, basically. But not basically, Indian. it's also not similar to anything because it was invented for us and our weak ass tastes. Uh, yeah, there is the gorgeous line. Sorry, a little bit before this, when Vernon comes out, it says that his walrus moustache was blowing hither and dither and this is the first of quite a few lines in this in this chapter or two where vernon's moustache just gets personified in the most beautiful way but this is what i mean this chapter blends together the cartoonish with the realistic to the point where it's disturbing i'm like so he locks him in a shed but also has a moustache that literally blows but like i just want to get like walrus moustache blowing hither and dither tattooed onto my forehead it no tattooed under my nose in the shape of a moustache yes tattoo it on your finger so you can do that like the kids did in 2008 this now looks just a bit like hitler but it was a thing (laughs) that people did um they start blaming harry obviously Mm -hmm. because it does look like harry did it but also no but dudley specifically was like harry Harry did this fair enough that he thinks that dudley's in the right as far as i can tell but a letter arrives saying Harry has been expelled, his wand will be destroyed and he has to attend to hearing. Why is his wand being destroyed prior to the hearing? What level of... Yes, your wand could be confiscated yeah. before the hearing. You can't... Why? What if he's found innocent? I, don't, I, I think as far as we know about uh, the wizarding law enforcement, the fact he's having a hearing isn't to say if he's innocent or not. It's to say how he's going to be, be further punished. punished. Yeah. The thing is, you could argue, you'd be wrong, but you could argue <laughs> that their senses are that advanced, whatever magical senses they are, that there is no innocent or guilty here that yeah. they know. However, we know that's not true. No, because it's of just an two. area location. It's an area location. Which is just bonkers. Like, you could literally, someone, some random person, like a Death Eater, could apparate outside Harry's house. Yep, do a load of magic. And go Lumos and apparate away. But also, Ron and everyone could be doing magic continuously yeah. and never get told off for it. So it does not work. So that's why it needs to be hearing to establish innocence or guilt, not to establish punishment, punishment. which is what it sounds like it is. I mean, I guess their wand could be destroyed and if they are found innocent, they could get a new wand. But that's pointless. Just confiscate the wand. Yeah. But so Harry realises he has to run. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 like those TikToks. <laughs> before they find him. But then another owl arrives from Mr. Weasley saying, don't leave, don't surrender your wand. And Harry's like, how can I not leave and also not surrender my wand, please? Yeah. Harry begins to answer the Dursley's questions, but then Dudley begins to talk. Dudley kind of tries to explain what happened to him, but Harry is filling in most of the gaps. And Harry says, like, you'd never be cheerful again. And Dudley says, I felt, I felt. And Harry wonders what Dudley had been forced to relive in those moments. So what do you think Dudley was forced to relive? Um, can I just say you also skip past the point where oh, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Vernon's one, uh, Ver- Vernon's moustache oh, okay. was blowing about furiously. How long is it? <laughs> Why can it move on its own accord? I assume it's one of those ones that actually goes past the lips, so you can't see him talking unless he's really angry, mm. then it's like... It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so so we know that the Dursleys are abusive towards Dudley just in a different way. For instance, naming him 
Dudley. Dudley. Dursley. Dursley. They are, but the the thing is, like, they're abusive in the way that, like, what is that? There's an actual word for it, but when it's, it's not like neglect, but it's when you kind of neglect someone by not being too... I don't know the word Pandering. There is, like, a word. Yeah. I can't remember. But, yeah, so they, they're they neglectful, essentially. They overfeed him. Yeah. They don't listen to his actual needs and wants. Yeah, they, they don't punish him or no. help his development. He's also been abused by various different wizards. Yes. He has grown up having to live in fear of Harry, especially before he even, like, really knew. And it was just, like, weird things happened around Harry. And then later on, when, they, when he did know... And it's like, could you imagine you're both simultaneously living in Harry's shadow and living in fear of Harry? Yep. And it's like, yeah, like Dudley was a little shit. You would be with those parents. Like, you would be. And also, like, probably like hormone wise, like, if you're eating that much crap when you're a kid, that's that's, really, it's sexual hormones wild. Exactly. And so, of course, he was a little shit. And I, and, and like at the same time, like I don't blame Harry because he's fifteen. Yeah, I don't but, blame Harry for because Harry was beaten up his whole childhood by Dudley. I don't then blame him. Yeah, but it's one of those things, and it's like this is. I think this is why like so many people want that like Harry and Dudley reunion like later on. Yeah, there's a lot left that because, that needs to be said. And when you're an adult, you can kind of look back on this and say, "Oh my god, these two boys should have sat down and have a conversation because they are experienced the same thing in different ways." Yeah, and if they ever actually sat down and had like put everything aside and had a proper conversation and communicated there could have been like a really beautiful friendship there yeah or at least like not a friendship but a mutual trust and understanding i don't think there ever would have been a friendship but just like i think think there could have been honestly i think there could have been if they had kind of like discovered this like mutual connection and shared experience and, and kind you know, of put everything aside. I suppose and part I'm of not... the books isn't spoon feeding us everything like we know there was the start of a reconciliation by what is given to us in book seven yeah and it's left to us to interpret the rest and although I want the rest of it I do find what was done in book seven yeah. very beautiful yeah I'm not saying that you know she needs to go and write more quite frankly she needs to go yeet herself off cliff <laughs> but what I'm saying is like I can get that from like a fan fiction perspective why this is something quite heavily written about. Yeah. Um, and I'm not blaming either of the boys because they're both too young and under too much other kind of pressure and stuff to ever do this. And also they don't... They spend like six weeks out of the year together at yeah, this point. Yeah, and purposely avoid... And are told to avoid each other, essentially. Yeah, but, you know, it's just... It's it's a massive shame that they could have been there for each other, both experiencing the same thing in different ways, and they weren't. And yeah. It, it breaks my heart. But yeah. at I'll, the same time, to answer your question... Yes. I think the abuse that Dudley gets from his parents is so subtle that it's not that you would have a specific... Mm. You know, like, he isn't being hit or screamed at by them. Mm. And I'm not saying that one is worse than the other, but I'm just saying in terms of, like, having a flashback from the Dementors, there's not, like, a specific thing from them. I think he probably... The Hagrid thing and the the Weasley twins thing, that probably could be a flashback, but Mm. I do wonder what else there is. What are your thoughts? I really think that what he relived was his bullying of people, especially people who are so much, like, more powerless than him. I think it's obvious in some of the dialogue we're given that Dudley knows what he's doing to, especially, like, these 10-year-old children that he's beating up, is wrong. And, like, Dudley is not a psychopathic bully. We can see the reasons why Dudley is a bully. Therefore, I truly think 
he will regret some moments where he mm. bullied or hurt people. And I and think that might be what he's being forced to relive is those moments of shame and disgust about what he did to yeah. other people. And if it's peer pressure as well, like he might not even want to... And we don't know. We're not yeah. given enough about the character. He could fucking love it. But yeah, and I also think he might relive like him being bullied because at the end of the day, this is like an overweight child in the 90s. Like he also would have been bullied. Well, he had to almost rise to the top so he wouldn't be bullied. I think that's part of the implication yeah. that he beat other children up so that they'd be scared of him so he himself wouldn't be bullied. Yeah. And I think that is what comes to him in flashbacks. And I really wish there was a bit more of Dudley in book six so we can see more of the arc because I think this is the turning point of how we get to Dudley in book seven. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved a bit more time with Dudley in book six so we can really see him changing into, the, again, that tiny bit we see in book seven, but this is the change in Dudley. This And it's it's actually, although it's horrible what happened to him, maybe it's a good thing this happened to him because this is his wake-up call. This is his moment. And I think, mm. I like to think he never, like he was still like a boxer and he was still like cool, but he didn't beat people up and, bully people as much after this or he started to think about his actions more because I think book seven Dudley is not beating ten year olds up yeah and I like that because doesn't in book seven he thank Harry for saving him now yeah and I like the fact that he has clearly spent time thinking about it and reliving it and actually working out for himself what did actually happen yeah it's a very key moment in Dudley's progression yeah so So, Harry (laughs) says that it was Dementors Vernon asks what they are and Petunia answers and she glances at vernon in fearful apology which is just like i think this at at least is the first time in the books that i picked up on where we actually kind of start to think okay is vernon also abusive towards petunia and the thing is i know that i've said before that i thought that vernon and petunia is the greatest love story (laughs) I would like to formally revoke that um, because She's I am redacting. I am redacting my previous redacting, because redacting. I said that before I'd done this like close read, yeah. and now that I'm doing this close read, this is the first time where it starts to come through that actually maybe she's scared of him, and I think that okay. So the reason that Petunia doesn't talk about her sister doesn't literally pretends like she doesn't have a sister and doesn't acknowledge any of it. That could be for two reasons. One. She's, like, heavily repressing shit. Yes, that one. (laughs) Or she is fearful too because she's worried about what Vernon thinks and what Vernon will say and do. And I think that it's a mix. I think it's a mix. So I think, obviously, she began not talking about her sister because she was jealous. So then she became mean towards her sister. Then her sister got murdered. So then the guilt would have eaten her up inside. So then she started to refuse to talk about it. Vernon jumped on this, yeah, everything different is weird. And that was helpful to Petunia because she didn't want to talk about it. But now she might want to process it. Yeah. But she can't talk about it because she's fearful of Vernon's reaction because as far as he's aware, we don't talk about it because it's horrible. But she doesn't think it's horrible she hates it for completely different reasons to Vernon. He yeah. hates it the same way he hates foreign food. Like, yeah. it's different. Yeah. But, like, we know that Lily and Petunia once upon a time were very, very close. Yeah. And regardless of how you feel about your sister, like, it's not normal to have never, like, mourned and processed this. And, yeah. like, and to literally just, like, not acknowledge her, like, existence, especially when you have, like, the product product of her loins like living with you say loins (laughs) loins in my opinion like i do think it's like a blend of a lot of things yeah but i do think that 
like on this reading that maybe a lot of that is like fear out of Vernon it's like she's kind of set this expectation yeah it's like to a lesser extent like when I was in a three-year relationship from when I was 16 to 20 I know that three year 16 20 doesn't add up I had just turned 16 just turned 20 yeah yeah um just in case anyone's listening like that's That's not math like there was a lot then like the opinions that you have at 16 aren't the ones that you have at 20 yeah and being in that relationship for that long period of time I felt like it stunted a lot of my personal growth because I didn't feel like I could change my opinions or admit when I was previously wrong and stuff because I had someone that I was so close to that knew me so well yeah and I felt like I had to stay the same person because of that yeah this is obviously to a much lesser extent like that he was not like an abusive guy at all he was lovely um but then the point is that when we broke up I then felt free to actually authentically be who I was as a 20 year old yeah not as As a a 16 16 year old old. and I wonder if like Petunia has a more extreme version of this where maybe as she gets distance from what happened to her when she was younger and then gets distance from the death of her sister that she actually would have liked to be closer to Harry and you know, think and talk more about her sister, but she can't because of she's Vernon. Set a, she's and, set a precedent. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's worried about... Like, she married someone that hated all of these things at the same time as her because that's what she needed at the time. But now that she's in a different place, yeah. would she like to? And she feels like she can't, and she might also literally be scared because she's literally saying she looks at him in fearful Fear. apology. This... You know, she is apologetic and scared to have mentioned something wizarding. And we know that Harry's not allowed to, but is Petunia? Has has she in the past, like, attempted to start a conversation with Vernon? And he's like, uh, And he's like, it. no, 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 don't talk about your sister. Don't talk about magic. Like, has she tried to tell him how she felt when she found out that Lily was a witch? Has he shut that down? Has he been verbally or physically abusive when she's tried because she's accidentally slipped out something magical and literally looks at him in fearful apology yeah like it could also literally just be that this is just a throwaway line and maybe like petunia is an evil bitch and she's definitely still evil because she's abusive towards harry but if if you know she might just genuinely not care about her sister but i just this line to me there's a line later where she definitely does i think i don't think that Vernus has ever been like physically abusive towards her or emotionally abusive in a way that is necessary like he's emotionally abusive towards everyone but in a way that is like he's trying to hurt her he loves her a lot but in, in a, way a controlling he, way in the way that he knows how but he thinks she hates magic for the same reason he does and he does not have the brain capacity to understand or listen or want to hear why she actually hates it for a completely different reason to him. And I think she is now too scared to ever explore those real feelings that she has on why she hates magic and why she hates Harry and her feelings towards her sister because she's too scared of, well, I just hate it for the same reason Vernon does because it's weird and bad. And it's two completely different things. See, I... Obviously, we don't see enough in the text, no, like, for sure. Yeah. But my personal headcanon is that he's very, like, verbally and emotionally abusive. Mm. I think that the situation that they're in, the situation that Bacino is in lends itself to someone to get into an abusive relationship because Mm. you think how Vernon can spin this in a very typically abusive way. He can say, you're lucky that I, you know, deal with you 
and deal with your drama and the fact like your background like you are lucky to be with me because most people would not put up and as we said vernon could have left when harry was dumped on the doorstep and didn't but he could hold that against her exactly i took that boy in and he does say that i i should have dropped him off at an orphanage i don't know why i took you in i can definitely picture him saying to her like you were lucky that i put up with this and that i stayed with you once i found out and i think she does have guilt she herself has guilt no matter whether vernon says it or not that I forced him into this life that although she didn't want either, they're having to care for Harry. I mean, maybe they could show Harry some love and it wouldn't be such a fucking chore to look after him because if you show him love, he might be nice back. But, yeah. you know, yeah. But, Vernon's yeah. a dick. Yeah. My headcanon is that he's abusive towards everyone in that house. I, yeah, I think he doesn't know anything else apart from to be abusive. Yeah. So, so Petunia explains that she knows the word Dementor and what they are because she heard that awful boy telling her love this bit harry immediately assumes she is talking about her mum and dad and snaps at her if you're talking about my parents would you say their names but she's not that awful boy is Is snape Snape. and that boy was awful and abusive towards petunia like harry wants to be all nice to snape at the end of the book but he was disgusting towards petunia and it is absolutely no wonder Petunia has a horrible view of magic when, as far as she knew, this horrible bullying boy took her sister away and was horrible towards her. Mm-hmm. But it's not... It's, like, amazing that we don't know it's Snape she's talking about until, like, I think J.K. Rowling took these three years off to actually nail down how these seven... How the last three books were going to play out. And you can tell because there's a lot more linking to the last book. Like, yeah. with this Dudley thing, with that we don't know who Petunia's talking about, with what we're about to come up to, Remember My Last, none of this comes up for another book, two books. Yeah. I think there needs to be, like, more support. Like, there needs to be, like... a a section of the wizarding government to supporting like muggle families yeah. as, as well as the other way around squibs because like for instance Dumbledore just dropped Harry off with a note and that note meant that Petunia had to sit down and explain to Vernon of all people and explain to him and be believed when she can't it's not like she could go yes here's magic it's real like duh, her, like Dumbledore or anyone else could have there's not this support you know the the siblings of wizarding children need that kind of support and I guess like therapy and like it's entirely unsurprising that the wizarding community doesn't deal with this well but like it should like there is a duty of care there yeah like there should have been wizarding therapy for Petunia and anyone else in her situation both when Lily got admitted into Hogwarts and then there should have been assistance in her explaining this to Vernon a note does not do it well I assume she could have just been sectioned well I I assume Vernon knew about the magic way before Harry got to them. And but I you assume... assume. I, be, we don't well, know. Well, from hints in the text, I think Vernon did meet Lily and James. And that's when he got... It absolutely confirmed that magic was real because they did something in front of him. From yeah, what, like, the, what... The way he talks about Lily and James, still, I think he met them. That's still... He could have met them without knowing they were wizards. Well, yeah. But also, like, even if they did have, like, a big family sit down and tell him and demonstrate, oh, that's, that's still... That needs to be handled. Yeah, by the ministry in some way because you know the statute of secrecy so how do you do how do you deal with that like because to me that would be like okay so if it's just the husband of a sibling they can't know because the statute of secrecy 
But then Surely. that's then that then that what the the wife is holding too much information. It's not fair for her to not tell her loved one because she's keeping a secret from him. And it's not fair from her mental health perspective. She should be telling. I her agree, closest but person. would the would the ministry care? I don't so, know. <laughs> so in my thinking, I'm like, no, they they would only. It would only be surely like spouses of wizards and then none of their family could know because otherwise you would just end up with like half the country knowing. Not literally. Do you know how many I mean. wizards there are, which is a very yeah. debated point. But like, you know what I mean? It would end up as so many people yeah. if it was just like anyone in association knows. So that to me is like, says that Vernon didn't know until Harry got dropped off. Okay. I think he knew before, but okay. It could be either one. Yeah. But I'm just saying that like, it's not like Petunia and Lily were close. So why would Vernon have known? Well, they definitely sent them a wedding present because a vase got smashed at one point. So, yeah, but that's not the same as being close, is it? No, or knowing. Like they, I'm sure that they met, like family functions and Christmases. And yeah, stuff. I think Lily but, probably forced it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Vernon knew that they were wizards. No, so you know, it's it's a very real possibility that Petunia had to sit him down with that note and say, "Oh, by the way, magic's real." Yeah, and he <laughs> literally could have just got her section. Yep. This is editing, Hannah. Just voice noting in to say, I remembered as I was sober editing compared to drunk recording that in the first chapter of the first book mr dursley does ask mrs dursley if he's heard from his sister recently because there's funny stuff on the news a lot of funny looking people in town might have something to do with her lot so he does definitely know about magic and the wizarding world and lily and everything before harry arrives but everything else about the point we were saying still stands about how to explain it to like muggles and family members and there should be systems in place but mr jersley did know about magic before harry arrived so another owl arrives um how fast can these owls fly yeah especially when one comes from mr weasley you're just like wait like the supersonic owls well they're we- all coming from london yeah and, like london and surrey are relatively close but how fast are these owls flying well we did look this up before when it went to egypt, egypt. They, f- um, they fly fast, but, but not they just fast. seem supersonic. No, they're, they're like apparating owls. Harry has been suspended. His wand to be fair, will maybe not- like Mr. Weezy apparated to the end of Harry's road through the owl, yeeted the one, the, throw the it owl. through the chimney, and then apparates away. Possibly, <laughs> um, maybe the Ministry does have like supersonic apparating owls as well. Yeah. So Harry is not expelled. He's suspended. And his wand will not be broken until something is decided in the hearing. Harry then goes on to explain what the Dementors did to Dudley. Can I point out that Harry's explaining what the Dementors did to Dudley? Dudley is still vomiting, shaking, his eyes are rolling in his head. And at no point does Harry say, chocolate. chocolate. I'm like, Harry, like, you know what helps with Dementors. Dudley's on a diet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He needs help. I'm like, I don't even say it. Just go to the fridge and get some chocolate yeah. for your cousin. He's vomiting, and you know what could make him feel better. And you're like, no, to be, not to be fair, like he's got other shit on his mind. He thinks he's just been expelled. I know, but they're still sick in the hallway. Like, come on, Harry, be yeah. a better cousin. So another owl arrives this time down the chimney, and it's a <laughs> shit note from Sirius saying, like, do why not even move. bother? Why bother, Sirius? You were just going to antagonise him. And it would have taken a second longer to add like a couple of comforting words one sentence yeah it was stupid so vernon and harry question why the dementors were there in the first place and harry concludes that lord voldemort sent the dementors he says so this then he has to go into the conversation with his aunt and uncle that voldemort is back and then there's my favorite paragraph in the whole thing Aunt Petunia looks at Harry like she never has looked at him in his life. Harry realises in this moment that she is his mother's sister and Aunt Petunia is scared. 
And, like, it's this way Harry is describing, like, he had never truly realised that this woman yeah. was his mother's sister. And Aunt Petunia is, like, looking at him in the eye and he chooses to, like, say the next lines to her. He stops looking at Vernon. And I'm like, you had all this written down. And then you had Fiona Shaw, who is one of the best actresses in this, actors in this country. And then you were like, no, let's not put it in. Yeah. Think of Fiona Shaw doing this moment. Yeah. Get, this is why we need the Netflix show. Yeah. <sighs> Although Fiona Shaw would be way too old at that point. I, but I, don't, I, I don't care. Bring CGI her back. It. I don't care. CGI it. Fiona Shaw yeah. is amazing. What did you text me about Fiona Shaw? The, oh, you found out she was gay. And you yeah, I didn't know she was gay. She was married to a man and they were both gay. <laughs> Goals. I mean, it's sad that she had to marry or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's gay. Yeah. So there's a line that really confused me because Harry says, obviously, about Voldemort being back. And Vernon says that he's gone and that that giant bloke said so. Yeah, I think Hagrid must have mentioned in passing when he was in the hut. And we might have to go back and find out which line that is where, like, said he was gone. I, I don't guess, know. I just don't remember it. I don't remember it, but it must be there. I assume it's there. That or it's a plot hole. Possibly. Vernon concludes, which, like, fair enough his conclusion, not fair enough his reaction, that Voldemort is after Harry and then kicks him out the house to protect his wife and son. Like, I know you don't like Harry, but you're literally like, go die so I can protect my family. He's like, go outside, go die. Go die outside. It's like when a cat wants to die. I'm just going to go outside. I'm just going to go outside and die. But I don't want to convenience you guys, so I'm just going to... Go he literally outside. finds out his nephew could be like murdered and he's like, go outside, make it happen faster. I'm protecting my wife and child. Yeah. So then another owl arrives, the fifth oh, owl of this also, book. But uh, also Vernon, when he says that, says, if you're going the same way as your useless parents, as if getting murdered was their fault. And also as if Petunia hasn't expressed some like liking of her sister and regret over her death in this chapter. And then he's like, you're useless parents. Like be nicer to your wife's sister. He's, like Kalina's just like, well, I didn't get murdered. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's their fault. They got murdered for causing trouble. That is literally what he thinks. Yeah. Um, another owl arrives with a howler, but it's for Petunia. And it is the famous remember my last. And this raised so many questions like for me. Like how the fuck doesn't Harry recognise Dumbledore's vo voice? Like, even if you were doing a voice, you could just do an like, impersonation and I can still tell that's you. Yeah, and it's like, Harry's like, because I think it's the implication Actually, is because no, Harry... Wait. I say that, I could still tell that's either you or me. Or me. <laughs> no, no, but like, I, I think it's because Harry's like, it was the most terrifying voice ever. But Dumbledore has been angry in front of him when he was like, disarming Moody the fake moody so yeah. like harry knows what angry dumbledore sounds like so this is bullshit mm -hmm. right how did dumbledore know that harry was being kicked out the house in this moment so one or two things he might have the house bugged somehow. Uh, that is all i'm assuming at this point that the house is bugged that or i think that he knows them well but it was the timing of the whole thing oh, yeah. like get out get out get out how yeah, the timing is sus um but maybe it's literally just like Dumbledore finally just got done dealing with the government. And then he's like, let me do this. His first thought was, they're going to chuck Harry out. So this implies, and I've forgotten what happens in book seven or book six or whenever this is brought up. So I'm waiting for that to confirm it. But is this basically saying that the letter says that Harry can never be kicked out before he's an adult because he's in danger? That that was in Dumbledore's original letter, was yeah. it? Okay, fine. 
But also, didn't Vernon read that letter? So why is he like, whoa, what's that? And Petunia's like, the boy has to stay. We don't know that he read it. Clearly he can't have done. So yeah, Petunia says Harry has to stay. stay. The boy stays. The boy stays. This is a really weird chapter, talking to the Dursleys about magic. It is like Harry says, like, the worlds have been knitted and flipped. Yeah. And it is like that. Like, it's really weird talking to Vernon about Voldemort. It's like, what? And, like, knowing that, like, Dumbledore has chatted with Petunia. Well, at this point, Harry's no, like, but we what know. wizard is that? Yeah. Harry's but an idiot. Also, Harry, you can work it out. Exactly. I'm like, why Even are you if somehow so you don't work out this? the voice, you can, you can, you, you know, take a good educated guess. Yeah. This is a great chapter. I it's fucking a love this really chapter. Really good chapter. Like she, other books, she's like, let me recap all four books, and this book, she's like, let me start off with a Dementor attack and a fight. <laughs> yes, I think like you kind of finally get to the point here where she's like, you know what? Someone's reading this. They read the other. They books. read the other books. Like the other books one. are like, in case you just pick this up in your local library. Previously you- on Harry Potter. Genuinely. <laughs> Uh, I hate when shows do a previously on. I skip because I'm like it. one. I'm normally marathoning this. Yep. Um And like two, it's always when it's like you'll watch something that, that's like six seasons, and you'll be on season six, and then it will be like previously on, and then just like show the last interaction you had with the character and in you're season like, two. Right, so it's going to be that character storyline. It yeah, spoils that, what's going to happen. It's like that character is clearly going to come die back because come... you've just reminded me who they are. No, it's spoilery when shows do that. Yeah. Anyway, I love these chapters. This was really great. amazing. Oh, we chapters. have a question. We do. That's just what I went to get up. I need a piss so badly. Oh, you can wait. So the question is, and we're going to have to obviously do two answers for this. Uh, what has been the biggest slash best thing that the Potter universe has given to you? And this is from Vera. Obviously, this, this the podcast. podcast. <laughs> thanks Vera (laughs) so we need like another answer yeah like the main answer is this podcast obviously yeah um I think just something like safe I know I can always come back to a comfort in my like saddest moments there has never been a time when I'm sad or upset or anything where I haven't picked up a Harry Potter book and having that comfort Mm. has been like blanket it is a blanket yeah like it's been very helpful yeah that would be my third answer to this (laughs) my third answer but it is like if i'm ill or sad or sick like like ill or sick uh like ill or sick (laughs) i put on the audiobook on the film and like having that warm hug and i know that i would have found something else yeah like for some people that's twilight for some people that's his dark materials for some people it's lord of the rings like i would have found something else but i'm glad that it's harry potter because there's a lot of it yeah exactly the same um what's your second thing my second answer is the ability to read all right fair enough (laughs) not to you know actually maybe that's the first i couldn't do this podcast if i couldn't read all right so um that's true yeah that was a great question thank you vera thank you for that question vera and thank you guys so much for listening to this episode i hope you're all staying safe and well yep and uh we'll see you in the next one love you bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Vera, Veronica, Sandra, Samuel, Rhiannon, Redbeard, Metalib, Molly, Kristen, Katie, Catherine, Nathan, Jacqueline and Harrison. 
If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.